It's make or break, do or die, or any other cliche you can think of for the Cowgirls and Cowboys softball and baseball team as we approach the final parts of the season. I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome in to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And both teams have some questions to answer as we head thoroughly into the postseason. The Cowgirls softball team, well, can they get farther than they got last year when they got to the semifinals but couldn't get past Texas to get into the College World Series finals? And the Cowboys, can they get through the Stillwater Regional past ORU and DBU and a good Washington team and ORU team and a DBU team that has given the Cowboys some struggle in the regular season. So postseason play in full effect. The Cowgirls got through the regional. They got through the Super Regional and made it back to the College World Series, their fourth straight trip. And the Cowboys made it from losing the first round of the Big 12 tournament into getting into the Big 12 championship game were runners-up in that Big 12 championship match against TCU. They did lose in that one. But they do get to host a regional. They're the only Big 12 team to host a regional. And so can they get out of that regional and into a super regional? We are going to start off by talking about the softball team. And uh, actually, we're going to start off with the softball team, talking a little bit from uh, some stuff written by Brian Clinton over at Heartland College Sports. Wrote a couple of uh, articles over there that I would like to talk about. Kind of give my opinions on those. Uh, Brian does a great job. Great coverage uh, of softball throughout the season. Encourage you to check out all the stuff he does. But first, I want to talk about his uh, World Series preview matchup between Oklahoma State and Florida State. And uh, just some of the stuff he says. So he starts off, Oklahoma's returned to the College World Series for the fourth straight year, joining Arizona, Arizona State, Florida, OU, and UCLA is the only school to ever accomplish that. So they've already started off by uh, making a little bit of history. Uh, Oklahoma State behind strong pitching and an offense that has sprung back to life. The Cowgirls look like a prime contender to play itself in the championship series next week. Florida State, however, is thinking the same thing and will hope to draw even with the Cowgirls for 2023 after dropping two of three in Stillwater earlier this year. He says, this is everything you need to know about the two matchups. First, we'll start with a tell of the tape. For Oklahoma State, they've looked much more like the team that held the number two spot for a large portion of the season since the tournament started, and a lot of that is thanks to a resurgent offense. Through Super Regional, the Cowgirls have outscored opponents 37-3, to which if you remember the last 13 games of the season, losing 11 of those last 13, that was not the case. Uh, they haven't had a, a game closer than two runs along the way. Lexi Kilfoyle has been at her best, and it appears that Kelly Maxwell, who is coming uh, back into her own down the stretch, banged up a little bit. She looked su- healthy, very healthy during the Super Regional and the Regional. So if that duo can keep up the work, the way it has been, Oklahoma State is a legitimate threat to take home a trophy next week. I don't disagree with, with any of this written by um, Brian as uh, he talks about uh, the Cowgirls definitely have woken back up. I don't know what had happened to the team uh, that latter half of April into the month of May, but that team has forgotten about itself. I did see uh, a coach uh, or a quote, I should say, from head coach Kenny Gajewski, who said um, that they were playing not to lose, and now they have 
figured that out, that they were playing not to lose, putting a little too much pressure on themselves, and now they are playing to win. I know that sounds like it's the same thing, but uh, from a standpoint of you feel like you have to win every game and you're playing like you can't lose, that allows you or that leaves you open, I should say, to making more mistakes. And I think we saw that out of the Oklahoma State team uh, in that game against KU, specifically in the Big 12 tournament, where they had four errors in two innings that cost them that game against the Jayhawks and and prevented them from moving on in that tournament. So uh, playing more so not to lose than they were to win games, and now they're playing to win games, and and they've shown that in a big turnaround. So now for Florida State, the three seed. This is a three seed versus a six seed. Florida State's success has been much like Oklahoma State's this season. When it's at its best, the strongest pitching staff leads an offense with the propensity to score runs in bunches. However, like the Cowgirls, the Seminoles can disappear at times. In their lone tournament loss thus far, Florida State was shut out 4-0 against South Carolina. In the following game, Florida State mustered up just one run, but thanks to a perfect game from Catherine Shattercock, it was enough. Against Oklahoma State, the Knowles will need to find some offense in order to move on. So, players to watch. One player from each one, and it's a pitcher for both teams. Uh, Kelly Maxwell is the player to watch for Oklahoma State. Since the tournament play began, Lexi Kilfoyle has allowed just one earned run in 16 and two-thirds innings pitch. In addition, she's only allowed seven hits in that time, giving OSU a legitimate second arm to pair with Kelly Maxwell down the stretch. Coach Gajewski has leaned on Kilfoyle in some big moments this postseason, allowing Maxwell to take some time and rejuvenate some of her stuff. And if uh, last Friday's game against Oregon, Oregon was any indication that time off did her well, it was a complete game shutout. Maxwell struck out eight, walked one, and allowed two hits with her back in the groove. OSU is formidable in the circle. Maxwell almost had that perfect game uh, in that matchup with Oregon. Uh, and then on the other side, it's the pitcher from Florida State who we just mentioned, uh, Shattercock, as a first-team All-American selection. Catherine Shattercock has been fantastic for the Seminoles in big moments all season. She's thrown 21 and two-thirds innings in this tournament and has allowed just two earned runs in that time. Known primarily as a ground-out pitcher, Shattercock has 15 strikeouts through Super Regionals and 39 ground-outs in the same stretch. Perhaps the biggest development for FSU this season has been the arrival of of McKenna Reed, the freshman, and earned second-team All-American status with a 12-0 record and a .93 ERA, 75 innings pitch. Adding her to the mix of the circle has been difficult for Knowles' opponents. One thing to watch for the whole matchup, which team can strike first? This will be the biggest question in this game. in what Brian says he expects to be a pitcher's duel with the way that these staffs have been throwing it. Wouldn't surprise me to see 1-0 or 2-0 score in the end, which we've seen a lot of from both these squads. If it does become that kind of game, can Oklahoma State stand up to the pressure? Those low-scoring affairs are what bit them at the end of the season, and they've looked much more comfortable and free with several runs on the board against Florida State. Those runs may be hard to come by. Uh, Brian says he thinks that it'll be a test. OSU seems to be well past their late-season skin, and he expects them to find a way to battle back if they can't crack Shattercock. This might be the best matchup in the opening round of the Women's College World Series, so buckle up and enjoy it. And I agree. I don't disagree with really anything that Brian wrote in this uh, preview, uh, kind of overlooking this. Um, I think, though, 
if Oklahoma State can get four or five runs on the board, I think that they win. Uh, like Brian said, Oklahoma State lost a lot of games. 2-1, 2-0, 1-0, 3-2, 5-3, 4 4-2. I mean, at the end of the season, it was a close game fest where they just couldn't score. So if Oklahoma State, who in the uh, games against Oregon and in those games in the regional, really kind of turned that offense back on. Uh, Looking at the regional, 9-0 win against UMBC, 6-0 win against Wichita State, a 5-2 win against Nebraska, and then an 8-1 win and a 9-0 win. So they've proved not scoring a single time under five runs so far in the postseason. They've proved that the offense is back a bit, and the defense and the pitching has been there and Kilfoyle, and then now they're using Acock in a little bit more of a uh, out-of-the-bullpen kind of a role with Kilfoyle and Maxwell getting the two starts. And as good as Acock has been, having her as an element to come in if she needs to in the 6th, 7th inning or if the game goes longer than that, it's been a great spot for them to come in and get someone that can just shut down uh, those, those opponents. So... Looking at this matchup, obviously we've seen them play already once this season. Florida State and Oklahoma State played way early in the season, uh, March 10th, 11th, and 12th. Florida State actually got the first one against Oklahoma State. They won that game 7-5, to but then Oklahoma State would answer on Saturday, winning 9-1 in five innings, and then they'd get the best of the Seminoles 3-2 to in that game on um, March 12th, a Sunday game, wrapping it up, a close one, a uh, great pitch game by Acock. So actually it was interesting in this one, Florida State was only really able offensively to crack Maxwell, uh, who they, they played well against, but were not able to figure it out against uh, both Kilfoyle and Acock. So we'll see how that plays uh, into this matchup against uh, Florida State. Now in that first game against Oregon in the Super Regional, Gajewski threw out uh, Kilfoyle first and let Maxwell have game two. Normally, you'd see the other way around. Maxwell always going to get that first game. Don't think that's the case in Oklahoma City um, in that matchup with Florida State because I I think you want Maxwell uh, to get get started early, and uh, so I have a feeling we'll we'll see Maxwell in that first matchup. And so if Oklahoma State is able to get past Florida State, which my prediction is that they do, I think they win the game. It's going to be... I don't think it's going to be as low scoring as Brian predicted, like a 2-1, 3-1 kind of game. I think Oklahoma State, I'm going to say 5-1. I think they win 5-1. I think Florida State gets one late. But I'm going to say Oklahoma State jumps out uh, a 5-0 lead uh, maybe in the 6th or 7th. Florida State gets kind of one run, but then they come in and they shut them down after that. So um, that will be the third game of the day on Thursday. So Florida State and Oklahoma State, and then the – let's see, where are they at after that? So if they were to win that game, they would face the winner of Washington and Utah, or if they were to lose that game, they'd face the loser of Washington and Utah. So uh, waiting to see how, how that plays out. But, again, I'm predicting that Oklahoma State uh, can get past Florida State. And if they are, I mean, that's their toughest test. Um, that is their toughest test through this set is is Florida State. If they can get past Florida State, uh, 
I'm not going to call it smooth sailing, but the ride gets a little bit easier to get into the College World Series championship game. And kind of looking at the rest of the bracket, the other piece that I wanted to bring up that Brian had wrote, uh, again, check him out over at heartlandcollegesports.com. He he did a power rankings, power rankings of all the teams uh, left in the College World Series, the eight remaining teams. Of course, he's got OU number one, as expected. That uh, No no shocker there. They deserve to, to be the number one team. Then Tennessee as the number two team, and see, they got upset in their own Super Regional, which is why the path for Oklahoma State is a little easier. UCLA getting upset by Utah, and uh, Utah as the the 15 seed in the uh, Regional uh, now has become, you know, a team that has advanced on instead of the two seed in UCLA. So, but uh, going back to the power rankings, he's got OU as number one. Uh, record breaking performance already this season. Just one loss. They can add to the record books even more if they were able to win it. Tennessee, number two. Uh, the Volunteers have looked great as well. Uh, they outscored opponents 42 to 6. Um, they've looked great. They get a matchup with a very familiar opponent in Alabama. Uh, that's the 4-5. He's got Oklahoma State as 3. I love this line he opens with. I don't know where this Oklahoma State team went for about a month, but now they're back. Yes, they are, and it is uh, very fun to see. Then Florida State at 4, Stanford at 5, Washington at 6, Utah at 7, and Alabama at 8. So that's kind of where he has all the teams left in this tournament kind of ranked out. And uh, I don't disagree with it. Luckily for Oklahoma State, OU and Tennessee are on the same side of the bracket. And so whoever is left over there, uh, it is 4-5, Tennessee, Alabama, 1-8, Oklahoma and Stanford. And then 3-6, Florida State, Oklahoma State, and then 7-15, Washington, Utah. So if Oklahoma State can get past Florida State, they'll take on more than likely the Huskies, but could see the Utes in Utah. Um, And then even if they are to lose to that Florida State team, I still think their path to get back as the loser of that game into the College World Series is still um, a much better than all those teams on the other side who have to go through uh, OU, Tennessee, and Stanford, one of those three teams, is going to be very difficult. Um, Alabama's good, but it's really based off on Montana Fouts. Um, a lot of people were shocked that they were the five seed, uh, so I, I'm not as concerned about them, which may be a mistake, but uh, you know, OU, it's all roads leads through OU, which is fitting because this is in Oklahoma City. So all roads leads through Oklahoma. Switching over to baseball. Baseball had a good performance in the Big 12 tournament. They did lose that game against OU in their first matchup, but then beat West Virginia, knocking the three-seeded Mountaineers out of the tournament. They would turn around and beat OU 8-3. to They had to face Texas Tech twice. They get the win in the first game, 8-1, to which set up the true elimination game. It was winner-go-home for both Oklahoma State and Texas Tech at that point. Oklahoma State was down 5 nothing heading into the eighth inning. They scored six unanswered in the eighth and ninth inning to win the game. And when you look at that as a whole, it's a pretty incredible thing. You know, scoring six runs in the final two innings in a winner-go-home kind of game, uh, it, that's a special moment. Uh, Josh Holiday referred to it as a magical thing. And in and of itself, the six-run comeback is, is a great thing itself. But then when you really do a deep dive 
which Matthew Postens, again, over at heartlandcollegesports.com, did. He did a deep dive. Let me tell you, I, I know I've referenced him a lot today, but this is just how great the writers over there are. With um, you know my podcast aside, I do a lot of research myself, but I take a lot of stuff from them because of how good they are. Anyway, back to the, the moment. Matthew Postens did a deep dive, and so here's what happened to kind of set up this extra magical moment with the uh, walk-off home run in that tournament game to head to the finals. Um, Rock Riggio, who's probably the star of, of the Cowboys team, at least on the hitting side of things, started the game at second base for the Cowboys, um, but in the seventh inning, he got sick. So Josh Holliday put in Brennan Holt in his place, which lasted an inning. In the eighth inning, Holliday turned to Bo Sylvester to pinch hit, and Sylvester, who only hit 158 during the year, hit his second home run of the season, uh, which was part of the five-run rally that erased the 5-0 Texas Tech lead. Sylvester, Holiday says, can do a lot of things. He can catch, he can play first base, he can play in the outfield, but he's not a second baseman. So they had to uh, pinch uh, not pinch, but subbed on in defense for him, and they put in uh, Aiden Miola uh, in for Sylvester for, as a defensive replacement. So Miola, a second-year infielder from Palm Beach Gardens in Florida, uh, he's a he's according to Holiday grown as a player. He improved into a 300 hitter. Uh, he's got two home runs. One was against Utah Tech. One was against Dallas Baptist. Um, but he only played. He played in less than 30 games because he tore ligaments in his thumb. Um, Miola didn't want to miss time, but the injury had other ideas, according to Holiday. But Holiday said he was re- aggressive in his rehab and returned uh, sooner than expected. Um, but didn't see a lot of time. Only took the field twice. Uh, K State and OU in May. Uh, so, all that coming down to this, Holiday said he hadn't had an official at-bat in either of those games. Miola hadn't taken the field in the Big 12 tournament at all until he came in as a defensive sub for Sylvester, who pinch hit for Holt, who had taken over at second base for Riggio. So, Miola was as cold as a pinch hitter as you could possibly be and then hit the walk-off home run. So all of that happens to set up this kid who had fought through adversity with a thumb injury and had waited for his moment, hits the walk-off home run, and sends Oklahoma State to the Big 12 championship game, which they unfortunately lose 12-5 to TCU. But that was enough, getting to that championship game was enough to put them in a spot to host regional. So now they get to host their own regional, setting in the Stillwater Regional. Congrats on hosting it, but unfortunately for you, Oklahoma State, it's not easy. Awaiting the Cowboys in that regional is 34-18 and Washington, 46-11 and ORU, and 45-14 and DBU. ORU is the four seed in the tournament. Washington and DBU are the two and the three seed. When you look at these opponents, having a team like ORU as the four seed who set at 46-11 and and swept Oklahoma State in the regular season, uh, they're 2-0. and They won the first game 8-5 to and the second game 9-7, to games in which Oklahoma State either had the tie or the lead late in the game that their bullpen uh, gave up runs. So this ORU t- team can hit against Oklahoma State. 
uh, and have looked good uh, in that Summit League game. They won 9-2, 15-2, and 12-4. So it's it's a team that can score runs. They are uh, it's a talented roster of hitters. Can Oklahoma State outscore them? That is what it's going to come down to. And then when you look at the DBU and Washington game, uh, Washington, a talented team, doesn't play quite as much ball just based on where they live. And uh, you kind of look through their schedule a bit, and uh, really there are no common opponents that you can kind of look, all right, well, here's how Oklahoma State played against this team, and here's how, uh, you know, Stanford, obviously the tough opponent, uh, which we can kind of, you know, do a proxy because OU played Stanford, but Stanford, a top 10 team, uh, very good uh, at at softball. But uh, they did lose in their uh, Pac-12 tournament to UCLA and then lost to Oregon. Um, that was a tough loss to UCLA, 17-4, to and then a 12-7 loss to Oregon. So we'll see how Washington fares against DBU. And then DBU on the other side of things, um, there, there are some common opponents there. Obviously, they play ORU. Uh, ORU beat them, or sorry, DBU beat ORU 2-1, 15-5, and 3-0 in a matchup in March. And then when you look at uh, how those teams fared uh, get some other common opponents, DBU lost to OU, um, and that was back on May 2nd. So just kind of looking at how these teams have matched up against similar opponents and against each other, you, you got to think it's a tough regional, maybe the toughest regional uh, for the Cowboys. They, they lucked out in getting to host one, but their reward was maybe the toughest regional uh, of any team uh, left up there uh, that got to host a regional. Um, so it's going to be a hard road for the Cowboys to get back to the Super Regionals where they lost to Arkansas last year. If they are able to get out of the Stillwater Regional, they'll have to face the winner of the Vanderbilt Regional, which is Vanderbilt, uh, Eastern Illinois, Xavier, and Oregon. Uh, Of course, Oklahoma State is the 11th seed overall, Vanderbilt the 6th seed. So we'll see if they can get past their own. It's not going to get any easier taking on a very good Vanderbilt team. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see how baseball moves. Uh, I like their chances as long as they can hit. If they can hit, they're going to be just fine. Uh, The hitting is what keeps this team alive. It's the pitching that worries me the most. And if the bullpen can just be good. The bullpen doesn't have to be great. They just have to be good. And let the hitting carry this team, which I know it can. If this team can hit and the bullpen can just be good, I think they can get past the regional and into the super regional and try to get past Vanderbilt to get back to the College World Series, something they haven't done uh, in, in, in a couple of years. So uh, good best of luck to both teams, the Cowgirls and the Cowboys. I believe that the Cowgirls can get back to the College World Series. I believe the Cowboys can get out of the regional and will face Vanderbilt in the Super Regional. And uh, hopefully I'm back next week talking about Super Regional and World Series and not how these seasons have come to an end. I'm Matt Jordan with the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network.